Announcement. The Hemp Revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the Hemp Revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is another badass episode of The Hemp Revolution where we are following and telling the stories of the people behind the products and brands that you love, really highlighting the journey that we are on to push this incredible industry forward, ensuring that you guys have access to the top quality, high-performing, trustworthy products that are available on the marketplace today. In today's episode, we are going to be meeting with our guest, Dean Four, who is the founder, director, and extraction specialist of Entangled Biome. 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 Entangled Biome. His work with hemp-based health and wellness products is rooted in his commitment to quality craftsmanship and ecological healing. This is such an exciting thing for me because this is part of what transformed my life, having somebody like this behind the scenes. And as well as his 30 years of international experience in such diverse industries as environmental engineering and fermentation, Entangled Biome continues Dean's decades-long dedication to supporting personal and ecological wellness. Super excited to hear more about your story and how you got started into this space. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Dean Four. Hi. Hi there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate making the time to chatting with me. Yeah, I'm super excited. This is, I I absolutely love your passion and how you sort of pre-framed your experience in all of this. Nothing like hearing it from the horse's mouth, though. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background and how you found your way into the CBD mayhem? Okay. Well, yeah, I'm a a father, a husband, amateur mycologist. My education background is in engineering, both civil engineering and geomatic engineering. I hold degrees in. And uh, and I uh, immediately took a job out of university doing neither of those things. I actually, (laughs) (laughs) as it would be, right? And I I did basically eight years of environmental engineering using bioremediation techniques to cleaning up petroleum spills to soil and groundwater. So I did that throughout the U.S. and some military bases and also military bases in Germany and former East Germany. Wow. And and then spent a good number of years in Alaska doing very similar projects in remote villages, in Athabascan villages particularly, and was given the opportunity to see a, a whole different universe. Hmm. Remote Alaska is something that 
you can only imagine until you experience it. It's spectacular. And on the tail of uh, doing about eight years of bioremediation, I, I realized I reached a point of uh, essentially burnout. I had lost some passion for what I was doing and was really, uh, our company was bought by a large entity with ties to some folks on the inside uh, track in Washington, which I wasn't very happy to work for. And so I left and I started a journey into fermentation science, did a couple of month cycle tour and then relocated myself to, to remote Australia. Well, if you live in remote Alaska, why not remote Australia, right? So I went someplace <laughs> warm <laughs> for a while and sunny and really enjoyed learning viticulture and winemaking. And so I spent, I spent four years in the wine industry. I worked in wineries in Australia a couple of different ones. And then I uh, had a great opportunity to work at a winery in Switzerland with a friend of a friend who's now become essentially family. And then I found my way to Oregon to work in the Pinot Noir industry, uh, the subset within the wine industry. And Pinot Noir, of course, is notoriously, how do I say, uh, delicate to work with. And uh, it requires lots of care and attention uh, to, to, to make a great product. After uh, four years of working in the wine industry, which I greatly enjoyed, I realized that uh, it was going to be tough to, to earn enough money to have a family uh, working in the wine industry as a low-paid person. And so I decided to step back into engineering, and I spent 10 years building uh, renewable energy projects based on bioenergy, in particular fermenting of uh, discarded organic material food waste, farm waste, fermenting these to make biogas, which is rich in methane, which is a natural gas replacement. So over about a 10-year period, I was involved in de developing roughly $30 million of renewable infrastructure in Oregon, and the equivalent of fermenting roughly 200 tons a day of uh, discarded material into uh -huh. renewable energy, and also not only renewable energy, but a byproduct is something similar to compost tea, which can be used to transition conventional agriculture into organic agriculture. Mm -hmm. So enough effluent to feed two to 3,000 acres of organic agriculture as well. And these were fantastic projects. I really enjoyed them. They, they met my uh, criteria of being extremely challenging and also important. And it is also a reality that in in the United States in particular, building renewable energy projects is not easy. Uh, the federal government doesn't really support them, uh, or in the ways that they do support them, it's very light. Mm -hmm. And one might think that the petroleum industry has some influence on our government. But the short of it is, I, uh, I saw that the administrations were going to change and decided that it's best to also probably shift gears into something new and decided to get into the hemp industry. I did that having already spent a couple of years digging deep into should I consider being in recreational cannabis industry. I personally backed off of being into the recreational cannabis industry. I thought that it was bound to get uh, flooded, and which it did in Oregon, and that furthermore, um, recreational cannabis has got the um, notoriety I'd say in the in the broad uh, picture of being focused on the recreational or party crowd, if you will. Yeah. And my mind was always based around cannabis as medicine, mm -hmm. and and that um, and that if we if we don't focus 
as medicine, then it gets, uh, the message sometimes gets diluted and, or it gets um, taken distorted. off track, if you will. Yeah, distorted. Yeah. Perfect. And so what I saw in Oregon is as our recreational cannabis laws came into play, and uh, let me uh, take a step back and say, Oregon decriminalized cannabis in 1978 when I was mm-hmm. just eight years old. So that's an amazing thing, right? Here I am 49 years old and I'm thinking, wow, it's been decriminalized here essentially my entire life. Yeah. And then in 98, we had the medical marijuana program come on board. Yep. And, and so that was one of the first few medical marijuana programs in the nation. Yeah. And when I moved to Oregon in, um, in 2000, yeah, about 2002, what I saw was, you know, a community that had their head on right about cannabis. You know, we had this very progressive medical marijuana program. It was leading to people having access um, at home. They were able to produce it. Their friends were able to grow for them. It was very civilized. It was spectacular. So I participated in the medical marijuana program for my own needs of pain and inflammation as a result of some mountain biking accidents. And, And what I realized was I, as the high CBD strains became available, that that was much more my medicine than a, say, a strong indica or a strong sativa, all of which have their place. Absolutely. But for me, a high CBD strain that kept the the anxiety that sativa can bring and kept the sedation that indica can bring, kept that at bay, I was able to get the inflammation relief that I was really after. And that set me onto the pathway in, in 2017. When I visited a friend on his farm, he was planting his first one acre of industrial hemp here in the valley in Columbus, Oregon. This is uh, J&J Organics. Josh Gulliver is who grows for us. And since 2017, they've grown certified organic. And to me, having a background in soil remediation, I truly understand how absolutely critical it is that we consider hemp not only from the soil up, but in my opinion, from six to 10 feet below the soil. If that soil isn't healthy, if it hasn't been treated well, that plant is going to pull up contaminants. It is going to bring it into its plant matter. I worked on projects doing just that with other grass species like wheat and corn, where we were phyto-remediating soil. And so hemp does that naturally. And so if we're growing hemp for medicine, the soil should be of adequate quality. It should be healthy. It should be a healthy soil biome where it's not been blasted with agricultural fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides, these things that we know aren't good for us. So um, we've been very pleased to have worked with certified organic hemp now for our third harvest. And it's critical to us. And I find that sticking to these ethos, sticking to what's been important for us, um, means I can always stand behind it. I've seen um, too many people get hurt by their medicines, and that's not acceptable in my world. I've seen it in my own family members. Um, I've seen it in friends. I've seen it in children. It's, it's wrong that we're take, that it's wrong that some of these compounds that we're given when we're ill can harm us. And the beauty of, of, of cannabis-based medicine is we can avoid that. And, and I've, I found it out firsthand. Um, 
And so I like to think that, you know, the way that we approach it is that we can be comfortable giving it to our children. We can give, be comfortable giving it to our pets, to our immediate family member, to our extended family member, to anybody where hemp is legal. And that makes for a much more interesting business model to be, you know, have a national presence than does just a small community presence and say within a, a state recreational cannabis program. So I found that the impactfulness that we can realize using certified organic hemp at a national level is very satisfying and, and, and important. So I'll I, take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, impressive. Like my mom used to say to me, like, oh, I'm not going to say I'm proud of you because for me, that feels I'm happy for you. And, but like, I am literally so impressed of your expansive knowledge and then commitment to what I believe is one of the most important areas, which is how are we supporting our environment to continuously provide us with the tools we need to thrive. There's this conversation in pretty significant contrast between survival versus thriving. How do we survive versus thrive? And I think that the way that our lives and our expectations of, you know, work and existence and all of these different things put us in survival mode rather. And it's not very often that we find people products or positions that allow us the freedom to dream up and then live in a way that allows us to thrive. So totally agree. So when I listen to the body of work that you have done and the amount of damage that you undoubtedly have been a part of reversing the risk that you have eliminated on behalf of tribesmen or communities or families Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what an incredible, what an incredible journey. And at a later date, I'd love to hear about rural Alaska and Australia oh, because it's fun. I'm, <laughs> I was raised with Native American Indians in uh-huh. teepees and sweat lodges. So yeah, yeah. I love any, sweat lodge. Yeah. So anything that I can do or see or be a part of that keeps me really close to that indigenous sort of culture anywhere in the world. I'm like, I'm all about it. Tell me what your main role is in your company right now. What is the piece of your work that you're most passionate about? Thank you. Yeah. My main um, focus is innovation, innovating our products. And so I'm very pleased that we have a, we have a line of products um, that have been proven to be very effective. We've been on the market for close to two years and two years, and we have practice using ethanol extraction. So 190 proof alcohol is what we use for our extraction technique. And in fact, we use an organ- a certified organic cane alcohol, cane sugar alcohol. And so our hemp's organic, our alcohol's organic, um, our, then our extraction technique, I focused on alcohol because, well, I'm very familiar with it having been in the wine industry. And I had previously done alcohol extractions of cannabis a long time ago in places where it was mostly legal. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I learned some techniques that I realized I thought were very important. And one of the, the beauties of using um, ethanol or alcohol, I say both because it confuses people sometimes, but is that alcohol is a, a, a non-discriminatory solvent. It means that it will dissolve everything you allow it to 
Now that can be used as a, as an advantage if you're knowing what you want to extract. Then the next, you know, I, I, I jokingly say the next best extraction technique is CO2. Now CO2 is a discriminatory solvent. It will extract compounds within a certain molecular weight. That means that it does leave some things behind over alcohol extraction. Mm-hmm. It also does make an extremely clean extraction. And I think it's a great extraction technique as well. I don't think it provides as good of medicine as alcohol extraction. And furthermore, one of the things that nobody talks about is CO2 is actually sourced from petroleum refineries. It is a byproduct of petroleum refineries. My mission has always been to avoid anything petroleum related, even if it's ancillary like CO2. CO2 that goes into sodas and beers, it all comes from petroleum refineries. And I think that that's a weird thing that people never talk about. I know this because I tried to develop a CO2 recovery facility off of biogas fermentation, which is actually a common technique used in Germany. So they have facilities that use bio CO2 in their, in their beverages. We're not there yet in the U.S. So, so we, we, we focus on alcohol extraction. And so with that alcohol extraction, we get a full spectrum hemp oil, which is extremely rich in cannabinoids. We hit somewhere around 80, 78 to 82% cannabinoid content from a single extraction step. And we are also able to retain about 5% terpenes. So, you know, on a good day, we're 87% terpenes and cannabinoids. And this is in a single pass using our uh, technique, cold extraction. And then, then we use a so rotary you flash evaporator. freeze. Do you flash freeze and then throw it in? I, I basically let it sit in a freezer overnight, both compounds, the alcohol and the, and the hemp. The hemp is at a, a slightly, it's still cold. Um, um, and then the alcohol is extra cold. And so I basically use those components at different temperatures and bring them together. And then depending upon a couple of factors, I'll uh, extract them for longer or shorter time periods. And, and this is something I've you know, been playing with over the last two years to kind of get exactly my sweet spot. And I feel like I have it now. And, but what results in happening is we only extract about 70% of the can- cannabinoid content in the hemp. And that's intentional because we get the best 70%. And this is, this is based on techniques that I learned in the wine industry. When we would make champagnes, one of the things that we would do is take the best cut of the, of the juice. Now, some people scoff at me because they're like, oh, wine and hemp are different. I'm like, not so much. You know, I mean, really, <laughs> really, they grow in the same places. They have the same problems. We're trying to extract some, the essence of either. Mm-hmm. So I see them very similarly. And I've applied some of my winemaking techniques to hemp. Ever size reduce it? It's whole flower extraction. We don't uh, ever pump the material. It's always hand. The volumes are always moved by hand or gravity. These light handling techniques retain um, cannabinoids and terpenoids. And then when we do our a rotary evaporation to remove the alcohol back out, I also do that at low temperature, high vacuum over an extended period of time. So while some people are trying to, you know, rip through hundreds or thousands of pounds a day in their extraction lab, I'm happy doing 50 overnight and that gives me the extraction that I want for our product line. And then the residual uh, cannabinoids in the flower, we use that still because then we can do an infusion into uh, a fair trade certified organic coconut oil, which allows us to bring across a CBDA fraction with no detectable THC. 
So established a procedure by which I can recover the residual CBDA out of the flower. This allows us to create a compound that's unique in itself. It's infused into coconut oil. CBDA is emerging as a compound that has 100 to 1,000 times more effective at um, managing anxiety, in particular serotonin levels, and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen people be able to go off of neuropathy meds, be able to go off of fibromyalgia meds, being able to go off of migraine medication from eating a few teaspoons a day. It blows me away. I'm amazed at how effective CBDA can be in some situations. And we can look at some of the lead researchers. They're talking about this right now. They're emer- there's technologies emerging for this. Yeah, CBDA and CBG. Correct. The, and all of those, con- I mean, they're, they're, they're right behind CBD now. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see some pretty significant ads. CBN too. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we're playing around in that domain too, both CBG and CBN as separate, as separate products. Yeah. And so what... After establishing, you know, we have tincture bottles like a lot of people do. You know, this is our 300 milligram one, and then a 900, and then an 1800. And so that's our format. We put them in these pump top bottles so that each time you squirt it, you get a fixed amount of milligrams. Now, you know, this is, this is the best extraction technique we know how to achieve. I haven't seen anybody's extraction techniques exceed what we're doing that I can discern. And they're very convenient. You can literally use it one-handed and it's in your mouth. You let it rest under your tongue sublingually. And um, a lot of people can use this for an, all sorts of ailments, as we know, the long list of things that CBD help with. And then we do retain the CBGs and CBCs and, and CBDA fractions too in our root extractions. So we also have, you know, several percent of other cannabinoids in there. And it's, it's great. I know they make a difference. I've seen people experience broken bones healing very fast while on our product. I've seen people's bone density improve over a year period. I've seen my own mother's chronic kidney disease go from stage five to stage three over a one year period once we got her off of the pharma and three different pharmaceuticals for managing her arthritis. Now she's way more mobile than she's ever been. Just did a week, two week long trip in the Netherlands with a friend and a road trip across the States recently. So I could be happier. And, but one of the, so to get to your uh, uh, question, in addition to these tinctures, we have lots of topicals. We have multiple salves. We have bath and body oils. We have bath products that are infused uh, Epsom salts and bath bombs, which are 50 milligrams in a bath bomb with amazing essential oils. I use them almost every day. I, I won't lie. They're, they are a great way to start your day and end your day. And, and they're incredibly relaxing. So I've seen having these different delivery techniques helps people in different ways. I mean, the more delivery techniques that people can be comfortable with, the more relief they can achieve. So we use the bath, we use internal tinctures and topicals. And then what I've been spending a lot of time on as of late is what I refer to as our co-extraction techniques. So while I extract the hemp in a, in a freezer with organic alcohol, then the resulting wash or oil-rich alcohol, I use that to extract other compounds. 
And in particular, a, an area of passion for me is, is medicinal mushrooms. And um, uh, we have a product now on our website. This is the orange labeled one we refer to as our energy and immunity blend. Just recently got some nice press on it. But the energy and immunity blend, it is a 900 milligrams full spectrum tincture on its own. But then I've co-extracted in cordyceps, reishi, and chaga mushrooms. Now, reishi and chaga have amazing immune boosting properties, anti-cancer properties, blood, uh, blood sugar regulation properties, all kinds of spectacular things. And then cordyceps itself is a very interesting mushroom. Uh, it is actually a, a parasite on caterpillars. Uh, but they've found a way to cultivate it in the lab. Uh, so that it's more of a lab cultivation today. But it's a traditional medicine used for thousands of years in Chinese medicine originating from the Himalayan mountains. And these teeny, teeny, teeny little mushrooms act in our own body to increase our total oxygen uptake. It's fascinating. But when you use this tincture, you take 16 milligrams or so of it, you also get this in significant, noticeable energy lift that's very pleasant. It's not, it doesn't bring on, you know, like an anxiousness like caffeine might or energy drink might or sugars, but it's a very pleasant energy lift. And I can say this tincture every morning for uh, probably eight months now and stave off illness in this same time period. I've not gotten ill in those eight months and I have a great energy level every morning. I still drink coffee, but not as much. <laughs> and so, wow, we're, so now, right. So the next co-extraction that we'll be releasing is a co-extracted with lion's mane. And so in this case, it'll also be a 900 milligram tincture in a 30 mil bottle, but we keep the CBDA as two thirds of the component. So it's two thirds CBDA, one third CBD, while being co-extracted with lion's mane mushroom. Now lion's mane mushroom has an interesting property of being a neural regenerator. So it literally can repair nerve damage and help build new nerve, uh, nerve growth. And it's been, it's been touted as being very helpful to people with brain related injuries or uh, neurological conditions. And so, I have a group of about four dozen people with various different conditions that have been using this for several months now, reporting great things. Friends that have had uh, Lyme's disease, uh, friends that have had traumatic brain injury, friends that have had concussions, friends that are diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's. And across the board, I am hearing from people that they absolutely love it. These are folks that have been using our other products for some time, but this one speaks to them. I don't know if it's the CBDA. I don't know if it's the lion's mane. I don't know if it's the combination of. More than likely, it's the combination of. I believe that the CBD in conjunction with the, the beta-glucans and, and triterpenoids that come off of the mushrooms, that those compounds are made more effective by being in conjunction with CBD. And we've just recently uh, seen academic studies that have come out and said that uh, in particular, Ganoderma, which is common name Rishi, that mushroom is actually operating on the C1 and C2 receptor of the endocannabinoid system. So I find it a bit of a mind-blowing moment, quite honestly, but also not surprising that mushrooms are operating on the same receptors as cannabinoids in some mm -hmm. cases. So increasing the, uh, the amount of cannabinoids and um, mushroom compounds, in particular the beta-glucans and triterpenoids that are occurring together, 
it seems to have a synergetic effect. I'm fairly convinced of it. And we're working on yet one more blend that may be targeted towards pets. We're not sure just yet, but it's a shiitake, maitake, rishi co-extraction. And I've been playing around with it for six months or so. I really like it, but I, my original intent was for it to be used as a, as a sleep aid. And it may eventually be in that direction. We've been co using chamomile into the carrier oil and played around with valerian and bergamot and clary sage and so we just we've got all these pieces and just haven't quite figured out that recipe yet but it's coming this winter and and so that that, this co-extraction is what's really really exciting and then to you know to keep one's mind blown what we do then is we take we take those co-extracted oils we infuse them into local raw honey and then we turn them into beverages so we've got a line of beverages that we just started making as well. It looks we just so happen to have a crisp cup right Excellent. here. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just happened to have one. Actually, it is part of my daily routine. But this one, it's uh, so it's uh, it's a kombucha style beverage. Uh, Yum. Kombucha is made with black tea and sugar. Ours is actually a, a subset or a different form. It's Jun, which originates from Nepal, and Jun is green tea and honey. And, and so these are finished with, you know, about a gram of sugar in a, in a 12 ounce pour. So it's very low sugar content. But as we uh, ferment in the cannabinoids, we find that we get cannab- cannabinoid metabolites, which are very quickly uptaken. As soon as you drink this, you notice that they're coming on and you have, you have inflammation relief and you have these other properties that the mushrooms bring as well. This, in the case of lion's mane, you get focus and clarity. And in the case of the shiitake or in the case of the Rishi Chaga Cordyceps blend, you get an energy lift. So you drink 12 ounces of that. I kid you not, I have elevated energy levels for at least five hours after a glass of it. I mean, it sounds far out because I like caffeinated things like espresso type drinks, but you know, they, they benefit me for a short while. They don't last very long. That's where these beverages can last a long time. I want some science soda. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just send me your address. We'll send you some because uh, it's really fun. I love Jeanne. I'm like, I I have Jeanne that has like a little bit of alcohol in it. It's like a sure. beer Our substitution. Jeanne. Yes. Yeah. And I have just regular Jeanne in here. Yeah. I wasn't like so bought out on the kombucha thing. I'm like, yeah. kombucha's a little, a little too just, sugary for me. Yeah. It's just, you know. It's almost like soda. Yeah, so. I can't do it. Um, but like, I love the Kavita beverages uh-huh. and I love, yeah, those are great. and I love Jeanne. I'm just like, yep. so about the hard Jeanne though. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hard Jeanne's cool too. Yeah. We, we've done it. We've done some trials with that. And then, I mean, you know, having a wine and beer background, I've also worked with a brewery to do, we've done like five different Imperial, uh, IPAs with hemp oil. That wasn't, so cool. that wasn't until the TTB gave everybody in Oregon a cease and desist and peed on everybody's party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that'll change. At least we have it, the, you know, the Jun to work with because it's not considered alcohol. Yeah. It's a refreshing beverage, so we can yeah. play with it there. And I've, got a, soda. and I've got a trial of, of wine this year going where we have three different barrels fermenting with different 
uh, co-extractions. Um, so cool. I was able to team up with the winemaker I worked with in the past and he was keen to work on the project with me. So it's, it's exciting because we speculate and I, and I've done some trials earlier where there I've, I took a wine and then I removed the alcohol from it because I have the equipment to be able to do that and then added CBD to it. Uh, the intent was to be able to make a non-alcoholic wine-like beverage that had the CBD benefits and particularly to target towards people that don't, that want to enjoy a, a refreshing beverage, but not the alcohol. So that's, that's another trial that we're working on, but innovation is what you, I like. <laughs> <laughs> I like playing I'm around like, with in the yeah. details. What's your favorite thing to do? Well, I like <laughs> innovate products. <Yep. laughs> okay, perfect. We are, I have 10 minutes left with okay. you. So I'm going to just power through a couple of these questions. Biggest challenges that you are facing in the industry right now as a brand? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I find challenging is to actually, is to reach people, is to, when, when I'm able to have a conversation with somebody or any of our staff members have a conversation with somebody, it's really easy to get across our passion and how much dedicated to this. Yes. When you try to do that, like in the social media uh, universe, it, it, it doesn't come across the same as personal interactions like we're having right now. And, and so, you know, uh, consumers are being unindated by new products every minute, it feels like, right? Yeah. And so they're coming out of the woodwork. And one of the things that I think is really poorly understood is that many producers don't have to follow any compliance testing. So you've got labs, big labs, some labs that are doing 30% of the products, you know, they just have 50 different brands on them or whatever, but one lab doing 30% of the mm -hmm. nation's products. Well, in the state of Oregon, we are registered under the Oregon Department of Agriculture. And however, the Oregon Health Authority um, has a set of rules which we must follow for consumer products. And that includes them defaulting to our Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Control uh, compliance testing. So in the state of Oregon, if you're producing CBD products for consumer consumption, you must adhere to the same rigor that our recreational cannabis industry has to adhere to. I dare say it's probably one of the most rigorous testing protocols in the nation, if it's not the most rigorous. And that means that products that are properly produced in the state of Oregon following the rules will have met those compliance tests. Uh, now that's a Perhaps a, one could see it as a burden on us relative to our competitors, but I don't see it as a burden. I see it as a differentiator. Now, what the market doesn't really understand, you know, an everyday consumer trying to sort through all the, all the information is they don't really see that yet. They don't know these nuances. And so I think the biggest challenge is effectively communicating why we should sweat this, the details um, and not just buy on you know, cents per milligram, because milligrams in our products are not equal to milligrams in other products. I know people that have come off of leading brands and say, hey, I can use your product and take, you know, less, do less dosage. So that's important because yeah. it's more effective. You yeah. know, our full spectrum products can last six to 12 hours. A distillate product might only last three to four hours. CO2 products are somewhere in between. So, so yeah, communicating what's important to a broad audience is still difficult. You've got 
brands coming out with major names on them. And in my opinion, if you can't actually talk to the person that plants the seed, none of that matters. You need to know where it came from. When I worked in the wine industry, the biggest controversy I had with one of the billionaire owners I worked for was he kept telling me, you've got to make better wine. You've got to make better wine and on and on. And I said, I said, hey, man, the only way we're ever going to make better wine is if you pay these people more. This wine starts in the soil and we have to take care of it from day one. And I think that's very much the same in the hemp industry. If you don't know where your farm is and who grew it for you, you should use exceptional caution. I couldn't agree more. That's, <laughs> so a lot of what we have done is focus really, really heavy on the education side of things and helping people understand soil to sale, what they're Thank putting you. in their bodies and why. Why is your body working so well with this particular plant medicine? And what are the questions that you should be asking from any one brand before you put it into your body? I'm a mother of four, so I'm always like, can't pronounce yep. that. Right. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So, but I don't, I, you know, I, again, generational transmission has taught us to treat the system like the word of God, right? And the system has yep. not empowered us with the truth. We get a very convoluted version of the truth that makes them feel safe in sharing with us what, you know, what we're eating and drinking every day. And I think that the uprising of disease and ailment and illness in our communities and families are a good representation of that. Um, what are three, just in, in our closing thoughts here, what are sure. three pieces of advice that you can offer our budding entrepreneurs or existing brands while they're navigating their way through this industry or just trying to decide if and how to get involved? I would say one thing, if you're a grower, they say you're trying to get started as a grower, don't start growing unless you know how you're going to dry it and where it's going to go. I've seen too many farms start out and have no idea what they're going to do. That's such classic advice. Okay? So, yeah, I mean, you one. know, anybody, you know, it's like, I don't want to discourage somebody from uh, getting involved, but man, know what you're going to do with it man it, tens of thousands of pounds were lost oh, this year because of the early frost and no oh, one could figure well, out and in our region it was botrytis gray mold you know so yeah. you, if you don't know what you're if you don't know what you're doing don't get in the game it's like you don't you know or get um, advice from right. folks invest in mentorship so that you can be successful in your venture. exactly exactly and you know i mean i've 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 thought hey maybe i should grow a couple acres and i'm like nah I know somebody that's doing it better than I can. So yeah. I'm not going to jump in. But at this, and then, you know, for existing brands, I would say we all need to be very transparent. I think that if we're not transparent um, to our consumers, all the way back to the soil, to have that traceability, then we're not doing our job. I find that it's of utmost importance to be able to be as honest and as transparent as humanly possible. I like to buy my food from farmers I know. I like to buy my seafood from fisher people I know. I like to know where my stuff's coming from. And um, that's been a passion of mine for a long time. I happily have to say that, um, you know, my youngest kids, I don't think they've ever been to a fast food restaurant. Not to say it's evil, but they don't even know what it's like inside. And I think that, you know, having that deep focus on quality and being transparent as to where it's coming from will build your brand. That's how we should build our brands, not on getting as cheap as possible based off of whatever it is and wherever it came from. 
we should be building our brands on quality and transparency and helping people get well. Love it. Great pieces of advice. I think my wisdom for today's episode will second exactly what you have said. And I will say, I will say, look at the whole picture. You may want to start out as a farmer. You may, may, may want to start out as an extractor. It's really super important to understand every step of the way that you're going to build your cake. If you want to make a rainbow cake, you have to understand how to make the, you know, build the batter color each one, bake, and then layer. There's many, many steps that go along through that before you end up with a rainbow, you know, a, a vanilla frosted rainbow cake. And so I encourage you to take a look at the full picture, soil to sale, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? If you don't know, these are this is something that we come across quite a bit, that you have a huge passion for it, you have the assets, but you don't have the knowledge or it's vice versa. You're heavy on the knowledge and expertise, but you don't have the assets that you need to bring that vision to life. So here is what I would say. Joint ventures are your friend. Yes. Find people who have the thing that you need, whether it's experience or assets or whatever it is, find the people who have what you need and start to build a mutually beneficial relationship with them so that you can leverage each other's time, resources, expertise to build one thing that will ultimately do something greater than you would be able to do on yourself and then all by yourself. And then finally, finally, time is of the essence. We are in a very delicate time right now where we can, as an industry, decide whether we're going to race to the bottom or, or rise to the top. And in my opinion, while we are still a self-governing industry, we have to help each other rise up so that we're not pushing each other down to the bottom. The race to the bottom doesn't serve every anybody. If you have more money and you can do price control because you can buy more product, make sure that it's a really high quality product and stabilize the price point so that it becomes accessible long-term and set the standard for how you want to see the rest of the industry thrive. Again, we, we have a delicate opportunity here where we're either going to turn it all over to big business who bastardizes and dilutes everything that they do anyways, or we can continue to maintain ownership of who we are and how we are and how we will continue to serve the communities and families that we are a part of. That's my little truth bomb for the day. Hope you guys enjoyed today's <laughs> hope you guys enjoy enjoyed today's interview any final words dean before we finish just what i've been preaching know your grower know where (laughs) your products are coming from you know that it's important for your own well-being yeah absolutely i could not agree more i could not agree more if you know the source chances are you'll be able to track the results and the benefits that you're getting a lot a lot better thank you so much for tuning in for those of you guys who are a part of our community thank you so much for listening in let us know your thoughts all of the handles on where you can find out more about dean and his incredible mission and vision with entangled biome all of the links will be posted right here so that you can follow his journey and gain access to his products if you are a patient looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results you're looking for check us out on medicalsecrets.com you'll see a blog written about dean's products there as well as many others that we have personally tested and tried and believe in and if you are a business owner or a budding entrepreneur looking for some ways and tips 
tips and tricks, resources or relationships to get into the industry, we are here to help at theemeraldcircle.com. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to another rock star episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez. And just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now.